Hello Christchurch and uh, thank you for joining me on this edition of Deeper and uh, just for a change uh, you've just got me today. Uh, it's fantastic to have you with us though and uh, I do hope that you're enjoying these uh, little deeper sessions where we just look at the passage from Sunday and try and explore it in a slightly deeper, wider and further way. So uh, we're going to go straight into this and uh, we're looking at Colossians 3 verses 1 to 17. And uh, I would love you to read the passage. It's quite a long passage, so it would be good to read it now. So um, why don't you press pause, read the passage, and then restart the video. So Simon talked about this passage, and uh, he was talking about uh, transformation. And um, if you haven't seen the sermon, I'd encourage you to see it. It's his last sermon with us, uh, which is very sad. But uh, he talked about how, just the joy of seeing people transformed. And uh, you know, I would agree, as, as a church leader, the one thing you see, want to see is people being transformed by the love and the power and the grace of God, becoming more and more Christ-like. And uh, I just want to go deeper into this passage now. Just look at it. We're going to look at it, go through it, um, and then look at the implications of it after we've done that. So let's just start right at the beginning. So verse one, uh, Paul here is talking about the new life that we have in Christ. He, t he says here, doesn't he, that we have been raised with Christ. And th there is behind that the whole imagery of baptism, where we have gone into the water and have died to our old self and been raised to life in Christ. And that's the kind of imagery behind some of this. And so Paul says, you know, you've been raised with Christ. So how are you going to live? Well, he says, set your hearts on things above. In other words, focus on Christ. Focus on his authority. You are now under that authority. And in this new life that you have, you are submitting yourself. You're yielding your life to the authority of Christ. Because he is seated at the right hand of God. And that is a place, a position of authority. If you are the right hand of the king, then you are a place of authority. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has been given authority over all things. And so uh, Paul here is encouraging us to, to focus on, on our lives and how we live in relation to Christ now, who has authority over us. And so many people, so many Christians seem to allow their lives to be influenced by the here and now, about what's going on around them. But if we are focused on, on heaven, if we are focused on the things above, then we are allowing our life to be shaped by eternity. That is the deciding factor here, that we have a different kind of perspective on life. And so, you know, the things that we see around us now with uh, the pandemic increasing again and all that kind of stuff and fear increasing, we can focus on that, on the here and now, or we can focus on the things above and focus on Christ and allow our life to be shaped by him from an eternal perspective. And then verse two, he says again, you know, set your hearts. He says, first of all, in verse one, he says, set your minds. Now he says, set your hearts uh, on things above, not on earthy things. 
So this is a whole life thing, isn't it? It's not just about setting our minds and thinking about it. It's our heart as well, our motivations, our desires. Let your desires and your motivations be focused by Christ and that eternal perspective. And when you set your heart on something, uh, you are it's what you desire, isn't it? It's what you're looking forward to. And in some way, the, the Greek that... Um, where the word set is used, it, it's it's about motivation. What are you motivated by? Are you motivated by simply your emotions? Are you motivated by what's going on around you, by other people? Or are you motivated by the love of Christ? Set your hearts on things above. Another way of translating the, the Greek word that is used here for set is to dwell on. Dwell on, on on the things above. Now, I don't want you to think that in some way all you need to do is focus on heaven. Because Paul, as we see in this passage, he quite quickly turns this whole thing around and says, uh, this is how you should, you should live. You know, you shouldn't be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good, as the phrase goes. But it starts, doesn't it, by getting an eternal perspective. Dwelling on the things of Christ, dwelling on the things of heaven, dwelling on the things of God's kingdom. And then in verse three, we have this uh, verse which says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And again, there's almost this imagery of the baptism when, when you go into the water, you are surrounded by the water. And we as Christians are hidden in Christ. We are surrounded by Christ. Elsewhere, Paul talks about us being clothed with Christ. He is our life. And verse 40 develops that. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will live with him in glory. Christ, our life. What a lovely phrase that is. When Christ, our life, appears. And time and time again, Paul uses that same kind of language, doesn't he? He said, you know, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Elsewhere in Galatians 2, he says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He is our life. Christ, our life. See, when you set your heart and your mind on things above, then your whole life has started to be shaped by Christ and you live for him. You know, sometimes people will just talk about other people and they'll say something like, oh, right, her kids are her life or football is his life or, you know, those kind of expressions. In other words, that person lives almost exclusively for that one thing. We are to live life in that way, to live life exclusively for Christ. And then in verse five, uh, we start to shift the verse, first four verses are Paul just kind of shaping some theology for us. And then verse five, there's a shift into, well, what does this mean for how we live? So he says, put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature. In other words, all that you used to be before you were raised to life in Christ, put that to death, put it off, put it away. And uh, there's, a, a, there's two big lists here of things that we need to, to get rid of. But there's... So first of all, he says, put to death here. And then elsewhere, he says, to take off, almost like it's clothing. 
And uh, the two lists cover a multitude of sin. Uh, the first list is the kind of big, obvious things that we would associate with sin. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Those are kind of big things, aren't they? The second list is different. It's, it's much more internal. Uh, it's much more about what's kind of going on within us. And so though that list includes things like, um, let me find it, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, which is obvious, a bit more of an uh, obvious one. Uh, don't lie to each other. And that, that there's two words there, they're very similar, anger and rage. But in, in Greek, anger is that kind of slow, burning, festering anger that is always there. And some people like that. And they, they've been dealt a bad hand by people, by life. And so they end up just living with this constant anger that bubbles away underneath. And then rage is a word that is much more about kind of flashpoint. You know, that kind of impetuous anger that sort of just bubbles up, explodes and then disappears again. And uh, you could be one of either of them. Maybe that you live with a, an ongoing anger or you're just kind of that person who explodes and it's all over with. Both of those, Paul says, get rid of, put to death, remove them from your life. Uh, slander is a word in Greek which we get the word blasphemy from. In other words, you know, don't insult other people. Don't be kind of, um, don't be saying things about other people that are harmful, that are obscene. Don't say things that would shape something for people that was, uh, would affect them negatively. And then he goes on to talk about filthy language from your lips and do not lie. How we speak matters. How we speak demonstrates something of our new life in Christ. So then he, he moves on a little bit. He, he moves past that. And in verse 9, uh, when he says, uh, put off uh, your old self. That idea of being hid, hidden again. And then verse 10, put on. So you are putting off something so that you now be hidden in Christ. You put on Christ. Something is about being, he says here about being renewed, doesn't he? Let me just find that for you. Uh, you have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I like that phrase because this all seems black and white, doesn't it? You know, uh, you were like this once, you've now died to that, and you're like this now, you have now been raised to that, and you live it. If only it was that simple. But Paul is always a realist. I mean, he sets these great ideals for us, but he's always a realist. And uh, he says that we are being renewed constantly in this. You are, we are all in a constant process of putting off the old and putting on the new. None of us are perfect yet. We've not yet gone from that kind of one stage to another stage in one nice step. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. But here he's calling us to a constant renewal to put off the old and put on the new. Verse 12 uh, and 14 
is uh, some interesting verses. And so here he talks about that we are God's chosen people. He starts to kind of raise the bar a little bit on why we should do this. You know, we are God's chosen people and we are holy and dearly loved. He's, this is who we are now. And so he calls us to, to clothe ourselves with the new as we put off the old. So clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Patience, bear with each other and forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds all of those things together. You know, some people would say that that in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, sorry, no, not I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, where uh, when Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he starts with love and he says, Joy, patience, kindness, goodness, humility, patience, self-control. Some people would argue that because there's no no commas or full stops in Greek, you have to guess what's going on with the grammar, uh, that actually what Paul is saying is that the fruit of the Spirit is love. What does love look like? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, humility, self-control. So it's an explanation of love. And here he does almost the same thing, doesn't he? He says, you know, clothe yourselves with these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bear with each other, and then put on love over all of these things because it binds them all together. See, the new self is about learning to love. And if you learn to love other people, then all of those things just follow naturally. Compassion does, and kindness does, and humility does, and patience does. They just follow naturally. And then the final few verses, 15 to 17. It's almost like this is the outcome of then how you will live. If you start to put off the old and put on the new, then your life will start to look like this. That you'll have the peace of Christ ruling in your heart in verse 15. And in verse 16, that the words of Christ will dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. And you worship more naturally. And 17, you will simply live your life to bring glory to God, doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is like the the, the expression of life that comes out of putting off the old and putting on the new. So what does all this mean for us as we think about the implications? How do we go wider with this? How do we apply it? Let's just think about that now. So to go wider, what's Paul saying to us that we need to pick up on? I think there's the emphasis on the process of transformation. It's a process. It's not simply a one-step thing. That we are constantly in this battle of putting off the old and putting on the new. And one of the things I think we should all be doing is constantly just assessing our life and saying, am I moving forward in these things? As you look at that list, particularly things around rage, malice and slander, is that are they things that are still part of your life, even though you've been a Christian for a long time? What are you going to do about that? How are you going to change your life? How are you going to put off the old and then put on compassion and patience and kindness? Are you going to put on love? So we need to keep on thinking about that. 
It's no good simply saying, well, this is who I am. You can't get away with that in, in Christianity because we are called to a process of transformation and renewal. We are called to constantly put off the old. And there are times when I, I know my life where I've been battling with something and it feels like I've defeated it. And then it just seems to raise its ugly head again. That's okay, it's just part of the process. Don't be demoralized by that. If you're trying to defeat something in your life and you're finding it hard, don't be demoralized. Just keep coming back to Christ and fix your attention on him, not on your issue. You will defeat it eventually. Why? Because you have the grace and the power of Christ in you. And that's all you need. So remember that this is a process. If only it was a one-step thing. If only you could just take a, a pill and all the old would go and the new would come and it'd be nice and easy. It's not like that. It's a process. And I think we need to constantly try to understand our new position in Christ. We have been raised to life in Christ. We are not where we once were. We are in a different place with Christ. And so when uh, Paul here talks about putting off the old self and, and putting on the new, it's because we are in a different relationship with Christ. He has changed us internally. And all we are trying to do is to live life according to our new standing in Christ. When Paul says that we are holy, that's not because you are living a, a particularly perfect life. It's because Christ has made you holy. And you are trying to, to change your behavior, to bring it in line with him. Now we are in a constant battle with that because all the forces of this world are trying to get us to behave in a different way. And that's why we need to keep our focus to set our heart and our minds on things above. You will never change if your heart and your mind are focused on the things of this world. You just won't change. Well, you will change, but not to become like Christ. Because the forces of this world will, will seek to change you. I was watching a, a program the other night, which I'd encourage you to watch. It's on Netflix, though. If, uh, if you have Netflix, it's called uh, the, the Social Dilemma. It's all about the power of social media. Uh, and uh, one guy on there talked about that the, the, the aim of social media now is to change your behavior. I was, I was amazed at that. He says, that, you know, they are not trying to sell you a product because you are the product. And they are trying to change your behavior. Just little bits, a little bit of time, but they are trying to change your behavior so that you'll end up buying certain things or joining certain groups. We are constantly in a battle with this. And so we need to focus on the things above and not on the things of this world. And in doing that, we... We keep a, a, an eternal perspective. We keep a, a perspective that looks down on the world, not in a kind of um, arrogant kind of way, but looks down in terms of perspective. Is able to see the bigger picture. It's easy, isn't it, this, in this time to be consumed by the fear around us about COVID-19. 
But we can look at this from an eternal perspective and think, yes, we know that this is kind of the thing that just happens in the world. We know that no matter what happens to us, our eternal destiny is secure. Uh, we know that God will be with us in everything that we face, whether it's a COVID-19 related issue or something else. God is always with us. And nothing changes that. There's absolutely nothing that changes that. And finally, let me just say one thing uh, in terms of going wider. And that is this. How are you living your life in every single detail? Have you simply accepted that certain parts of your behavior won't change? Paul challenges us that, doesn't he? Don't accept living a sub-optimal life. Don't, don't accept that. Don't just think, well, this is who I am and shrug your shoulders and not try. Or say, well, I've tried for a long time. Keep trying. You don't have any option in that. You don't have the option of being able to just shrug your shoulders and walk away and think this is how I'll just be for the rest of my life. We are called to live a life that is holy and pure because that is who we are. Not what we are meant to be. We are that and we are now just bringing our life, our behavior in line with that. So don't, don't ever just shrug your shoulders and think, I can't do anything about me. Of course you can, because Christ is in you. And anything is possible with Christ. So let me just give you some questions to think about as we just go a little bit further. So we're just going to think about a few questions for you to reflect on. Uh, and uh, the first is this. Just look at the whole passage and ask yourself, what is God saying to me through this? Because there's so much depth in here. There's so much powerful stuff in there. What is God putting his finger on for me? What am I to, to do with this now? So just reflect on the whole passage. And then you might want to uh, just think about how are you growing? As you look at your life, can you say that your behavior has changed? Because it's no good saying, yes, I've grown in Christ and uh, I am developing my uh, discipleship. But if your behavior hasn't changed, how true is that? So has your behavior over the last, let's say the last year, has it changed? In some way, are you less angry? Are you more compassionate? Are you able to say that you've dealt with slander? Have you stopped telling lies? Is filthy language stopped in your life? How has your behavior changed? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with other people. It's okay to plateau. This is a process. But just be honest. Thirdly, just look at the 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 things that Paul says that we are to put on. It's easy to focus on the things to put off, isn't it? We are aware of them. But think about the things that you need to clothe yourselves with in verse 12. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Are you bearing with other people? Are you forgiving? Are you putting on love? Which of those do you think 
you need to work on right now. And if you're doing this with other people, ask them to pray for you for that. It's really easy, isn't it, to simply that I have to deal with this myself. And But, you know, part of the process of transformation is allowing other people to help you. None of us do this in isolation. We all go through the process of transformation, of being renewed into the likeness of Christ with other people. And the more that we are open and transparent about that, the more likely we are to change. And then finally, let me encourage you just to look at verses one and four. In those verses, what do you need to reflect on? In that kind of theological little bit that Paul puts in there, which truth do you need to take on board into your heart, into your mind, into your life? And take your time just to reflect on that and to pray over that with other people if possible. That's the end of our deeper today. And uh, I hope that you've got something out of that. Uh, let me encourage you, if you are not already a member of a missional community, they are meeting online, sometimes trying to meet uh, physically if they're able to. Uh, if you're not a member of a missional community, though, we can connect you with that. Email the office at office at christchurchsouthport.org.uk and we will connect you up with a missional community. So take care and I'll see you next week.